when you put that together, you say, wow, we've now got a new cannabinoid that is just really has the potential to change the, the consumer uh, experience and landscape, right? This is Lit and Lucid, your after-work de-stress smoke sesh podcast. I'm your host, Lit. And I'm your host, Lucid, and we're going to take you on a journey. A journey to discover the truth and find the balance. Every week, we get deep on those thought-provoking topics that ooze out of the cannabis universe. But we also keep it real by illuminating important issues and people in today's culture. So kick back. Consume your favorite cannabis products and get cozy cozy in the the Lit and Lucid lucid lifestyle. Welcome everybody to the Lit and Lucid podcast. We are here recording another episode of the show. Today we have Dr. John Vaught. He is the co-founder and CEO of Front Range Biosciences here in Boulder, Colorado. Front Range Biosciences partners with farmers combining progressive R&D with modern ag to grow crops with successful yields. They also focus on growing communities and opportunities for the industry as well as sustainable agriculture practices. So we're really excited to have Jonathan on. Um, We haven't had somebody from Colorado on in a while, so we're excited to have some local folks on. And with that, welcome, John. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, we're happy to have you on. You know, farmers are one of our favorite things to talk about. You know, Lucy and I are always uh, big on farms and farmers and and especially sustainable agricultural practices. So I think it's a natural fit to to have you on and you're a local here. And uh, so I I know we've got a a great show today that Lucy and I are going to be stoked about. And I think our listeners are going to learn a ton of new things. And uh, we always have to ask the uh, proverbial icebreaker, are you a cannabis consumer yourself? Uh, yes. The, the short answer is yes. I, uh, I, I think it's a, a great plant. And uh, yeah, I, I think it has uh, something that I've uh, been, been around for various stages of my life. But, um, you know, it's not something I do all the time, but, uh, but it's something that I, I do enjoy from time to time. Well, the beauty of cannabis is that, uh, you know, it has something for everybody. So um, even if it's not, you know, what everybody thinks of ripping a joint or something, I mean, there's uh, there's CBD, there's topicals, and uh, there's a whole host of things. So uh, it's good to hear. Oh, yeah, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a big fan, and I hope that we'll get to dive into uh, some of the science that we're working uh, on here at Front Range and how we're unlocking some of these unique things that we can do with this plant. Well, let's just dive right in. Let's talk a little bit more about your background and your career and how that's all evolved and your education to lead you here to Front Range Biosciences. Yes, absolutely. Well, first and foremost, I, I consider myself a farmer, so we should, uh, <laughs> since since you guys are, are, are fans of farmers. Um, but uh, yeah, my, my background is, is primarily in biotech and in science, uh, also on the business side. Uh, I have a PhD from the University of Colorado uh, in Boulder in chemistry. And before starting uh, Front Range Biosciences, I spent about 15 years uh, leading cross-functional teams, developing new technologies, uh, and building companies in uh, human diagnostics and food safety. Uh, on the human diagnostics side, uh, I helped develop uh, several technologies, primarily focused on serving uh, pharmaceutical companies by providing things like lab tests for target validation, uh, or even building data sets for clinical trial submission to the FDA. Uh, and then let regulated laboratory test for you know, personalized medicine or uh, early diagnosis of disease, uh, you know, for, for companies or providers like uh, like Quest Diagnostics. 
Um, and then part of all of that was a lot of intellectual property portfolio development. Uh, back in 2015, uh, I saw the intersection of cannabis and agriculture as probably one of the biggest uh, opportunities since you know the deprohibition of alcohol or even the internet, and uh, founded FRB to uh, deploy similar technology platforms, you know, uh, from agriculture and horticulture that have have been important in other crops that came before cannabis. Uh, and then the farming side, I'll, I forgot to mention, I also spent uh, some time on the nonprofit side. I, I started a 501c3 uh, here in Boulder uh, called Mountain Flower Dairy, and uh, I, I helped co-found and build that. And uh, it was a lot of fun, educational nonprofits and uh, big volunteer uh, workforce and summer camps and workshops and, of course, goat yoga and uh, uh, yeah, lot, lots of fun with uh, with goats. So, you know, that was uh, my first true farming experience and uh, kind of fell in love with it. And uh, now I actually have my own small farm where I have goats and chickens. And uh, occasionally when I have, have the bandwidth, we grow vegetables. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, that's pretty neat that, you know, you uh, you kind of went back to your roots. You know, you were, it sounds like you're doing a lot with technology and kind of not some of these things that you'd expect with, you know, farming per se, but um, but it's farming now, you know, in 2021. And so uh, it's kind of a cool story how you're able to, to kind of merge both sides of technology and then just getting kind of back at the farm and getting your hands dirty with goats and goat yoga. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, how- it's a lot of fun. Thank you. Yeah. So how did the uh, how did the cannabis portion come around? You know, did you see opportunities there um, where maybe there was something missing in cannabis where you you could take some of your background and apply it immediately into cannabis? Or did you just get in just purely with, uh, you know, just the opportunity with cannabis? Yeah, you know, I uh, as an organic chemist, you know, we you know, it, it, when you look at, uh, at the pharmaceutical industry or you look at, you know, uh, things like dietary ingredients, um, you know, almost all of these compounds that, um, you know, that we, we have and that we use for health and nutrition and treating disease, they pretty much all come from plants or most of them do in one form or the other, uh, originally. And then, you know, good, good chemists go and, and, you know, modify the, the chemistry and make new compounds. And, uh, and that's, that's how we end up with a lot of, you know, drugs that we have today, but at the end of the day, it, it all starts with plants. And, you know, when, so coming from that perspective, you know, as a, as a chemist looking at the cannabis plant and all of the unique chemistries that it produces and is capable of producing, you know, as a, as a scientist, it was, you know, a really exciting opportunity, right? It was like, you know, wow, now this plant is something that we can legally, you know, work on and try to research and understand. And we know it's got a lot of really important compounds that it produces, right? And, uh, and, and you know, both for consumers as well as for, for healthcare and, and other applications. And then, you know, and then you take it a step further and you look at industrial hemp and the grain and the nutritional properties, uh, you know, around, around grain and, uh, you know, some of the other compounds in, in the cannabis plant and then industrial applications around fiber, renewable materials. Uh, you know, it just, it's kind of about the most exciting plant that a scientist could, uh, could imagine to work on. So you combine that then with the market opportunity that, that began to, uh, to appear after, you know, the first few states legalized Colorado being, you know, one of the early movers in the industry. Yeah, it was, it was just, uh, seemed like a, a really great opportunity and something I was passionate about and, uh, 
you know, felt like I had something that I could try and bring to the industry and, uh, you know, a way to help solve problems that growers faced, but, but also, you know, help uncover some of the enormous potential that this plant has to, you know, change people's lives on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to understand like what you guys actually do. So I know you guys have created (laughs) this first uh, cannabis genetics platform. What, what does that exactly mean? So, you know, the simplest way to think about it is, you know, it's, it's, um, it's, it's plant breeding. It's, you know, it's, it's advanced technologies to solve problems at the very beginning of the cannabis agriculture supply chain. So uh, just like other seed companies and, and um, technology companies, you know, and other crops, uh, you know, we, we do a lot of the same things for cannabis, right? So we leverage technologies like next generation breeding or marker assisted breeding, um, you know, classical breeding, uh, tissue culture, uh, analytical chemistry, pathology, you know, all these different tool sets, if you will, to help solve problems for cannabis producers, whether it's for uh, hemp or for cannabis. Uh, and at the end of the day, genetics are really one of the most important parts of that, um, you know, of that platform, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, you know, what are the new plant varieties? What types of traits do they have? You know, so it can be exciting new compounds like THCV or or other cannabinoids, or even just increasing the yield of of you know THC or CBD, or it could be agronomic traits, so things like improving overall yield or pest resistance, or creating a plant that has a you know a, a, a shorter flowering time or a plant that grows better in the southeast versus the Pacific Northwest. I see. Yeah, so I mean, you guys are solving problems just to create more of like a consistent. Uh, product for the farmer so they can kind of uh, more predictably I guess, or just predict in general the kind of yields and things and, and outputs and what to expect. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think our, you know, our primary customers and, and partners are people that, that grow and produce cannabis. Um, but, you know, one of the things that's, that's happening as the cannabis industry evolves is, you know, there's also things that we're doing to support the consumer side of that story as well, right? Um, even though we don't, you know, we're not a, a B to C company where we're, you know, we don't sell direct to consumers, but, you know, the cannabis market really is evolving. And, you know, just like in any other CPG category, consumers are looking for new experiences mm-hmm. and our breakthroughs in genetics and unlocking the potential of this plant with science are making these new experiences possible. Uh, so that's, that's, you know, it's not just the, the farming side. It's also about, uh, you know, giving consumers the opportunity to, uh, to get access to some of these products. So I know that you guys are focused on the farmer. Are you guys working with local cannabis farmers who've already been doing this for many years and kind of taking the experiences and knowledges that they have and, you know, using it to make the things that you guys are doing better? Or do you guys have your own team of like scientists on staff? How does that work? A little bit of both. So we have a, a really amazing team. We've got uh, growers that come from, uh, you know, the, the cannabis uh, world. We've got growers that come from traditional horticulture and agriculture and folks that have done both uh, in the course of their careers. And then we also have, you know, customers and partners that we work very closely with. And, you know, as, uh, in the nursery space, you know, whether you're selling plants or seeds you know, it's very much a partnership with your customers and the farmers because, you know, at the end of the day, 
you know, their success is your success, right? So if, if, you know, if your genetics perform well and if they're successful to, to get their crop finished, um, you know, then, then, then they come back. So it's, it's very much a, uh, you know, a partnership and we leverage a lot of their experience and, you know, what they see happening on their farm to advance our products, you know, through the, uh, you know, through the product development cycle. I think it's pretty interesting that, um, you know, we haven't really dived into this kind of area too much with our show, but, um, you know, we focus a lot on the TH side, THC side of cannabis and there's always a lot of attention put into the strain and, um, the lineage and, and kind of breeding and everything on the THC side of stuff that, you know, we never we never really think about the CB side, CBD side of stuff or just hemp in general and, and creating superior genetics on that side. But that's essentially you guys are doing the same thing of just trying to create the best genetics that are out there just with, uh, you know, um, just a different species of the cannabis plant. Yeah, absolutely. Scientifically to us, it's all cannabis, mm-hmm. right? It's, uh, you know, it's a it's a genus of plant that covers, you know, all the different things that we think of, you know, in the category, whether it's industrial hemp for fiber and grain or industrial hemp for cannabinoid production or high THC cannabis that, you know, again, it's a high cannabinoid producer, but it, it produces THC versus CBD. So yeah, to us scientifically, it's all the same. So for example, when we run our field trial program in hemp and we're looking at, you know, uh, traits that, that may affect, how a plant performs in, you know, in a, a certain environment, you know, a lot of what we're learning applies to cannabis breeding as well, right? Just because, you know, it, it's a trait in the hemp plant, you know, where there's a lot for us to learn and be able to apply that to the cannabis breeding side. So again, it's, it's, um, and, and honestly, even in cannabis now, especially in a, in a market like California, which is, you know, a, a, been a leader in, in agriculture, specialty crop production horticulture, you know, for, for quite some time here in the U S um, you know, they call the, you know, sometimes the salad bowl of, of, of the United States, but anyways, you know, there we've got growers, cannabis growers that, you know, are applying, you know, all the different methods that, that, you know, other crop growers use. So we've got outdoor growers, indoor growers, greenhouse growers, you know, um, different combinations of those. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's, when you start thinking about it that way, you know, it starts to look a lot like, you know, other, other crops. Right. And it's, it's no longer this, you know, kind of unique, um, thing. I like that. I think you guys are uniquely positioned too, like you're mentioning to, to kind of cater to both sides of the industry. Um, when I first got started in the industry in 2015, I started working at Los Sueños farms in Pueblo, which was one of the largest outdoor legal outdoor marijuana farms in the country. And, um, when we started, there wasn't a lot of processes in place and know-how, and um, it was just extremely challenging to harvest and field and, and plant and clone and and get you know a huge amount of plants outdoors and in the sun and growing. Um, and a lot of that had to do with just compliance in general and, and the amount of tracking involved with uh, the seed to cell compliance um, software the state used. And so I could see a number of benefits on the hemp side where you guys can help to um, establish these processes and these different kind of um, standard operating procedures really which is working with the plant in general whereas uh, we didn't have that opportunity where things were a little bit more restrictive because the plant did contain uh, a high THC content so I think that's already like a benefit where um, you could just learn from the plant maybe using a, a you know a hemp variety but still take the the knowledge gained and the science learned and, and apply it across the across the hall to THC yeah yeah uh, absolutely I think you know it's it's uh 
again, it's a way for us to try and, you know, maximize the efficiency of the program and how we can leverage, you know, what we do and, and, you know, on both sides to, you know, again, try and help, help solve problems. Um, you know, and, and again, scientifically, it's all, it's all the same plan. Well, I was even thinking for Los Sueños, I know that they have a problem every year with trying to harvest before the frost comes in Pueblo. So maybe if they were planting genetics or varieties that, you know, finished earlier or were optimal for Pueblo, Colorado growing, you know, maybe that would be helpful. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, you know, one of the things that we've started to do a lot more of over the last six months and, and certainly for 2021 and beyond you know, is to offer, you know, is to partner with some of these companies and and help help try to solve some of these problems. You know, we've already got, for example, varieties uh, that came out of our hemp program, um, at least one that uh, that showed pretty significant frost and snow tolerance. Um, you know, it got planted in, uh, you know, in spring, like, like we always do in Colorado. And then, you know, um, it had, I don't know, 12 or 14 inches of snow dumped, oh, dumped wow. on it uh, wow. last year. And, uh, you know, pretty much all of the varieties didn't, or most of them didn't make it except for this one, <laughs> but it actually, you know, it, uh, it was buried under the snow for, you know, a day and a half and then it melted off like it does here in the front range and, uh, plants like bounced right back and, uh, and, and survived. So, you know, again, I think, you know, we've got the ability and we're building the tool sets, you know, to, to help develop these genetics, to solve some of these problems. It doesn't happen overnight though. You know, a lot of people, mm-hmm think it's you know abracadabra you know a plant's genome and you can magically you know just use CRISPR and make everything perfect <laughs> and you know it doesn't really work that way so you know it takes takes a few a few cycles especially when you're trying to grow outdoors and develop a crop that can handle you know really challenging environmental conditions but uh but yeah we've, we've been able to do that and on the flip side of that, I mean just this last year there was a bunch of flooding uh in some of our uh, southeast uh uh, trials, field trial sites, and uh, not only flooding, but even even hurricanes and high winds. Uh, we actually had one plant variety that was so vigorous and tough that, I mean, most of the plants in the field got bent over and a lot of them even snapped. And they literally, you know, sprouted back up and, and regrew and, you know, they still got a, a great harvest, um, even though it had a hurricane sit on it for, you know, 24 hours. <laughs> that is some amazing stress training for the cannabis plant. Yeah. Well, that, and that's <laughs> exactly. great for the farmers, you know, people who are maybe on the fence. I mean, farming's tough as it is. So, you know, when you're, you're bringing in, you know, different variables where you've maybe never grown hemp before or cannabis cannabis before outside and correct me if I'm wrong I don't think that they offer crop insurance for farmers that are growing hemp or cannabis Um, so you guys are taking a huge risk so if you can be working with a company like Front Range that are you know at least providing you with some seeds that you have confidence in that allows you to take that leap a little bit easier you know absolutely well let's switch gears Uh, we love to talk about all things space and we saw that you guys actually were the first company to release hemp into space last year. So tell us all about that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, it was a it was a very exciting uh, exciting research project, and we were we were thrilled to uh, to be a part of it and have the opportunity to. So it was really a collaborative project between uh, the BioServe group at the University of Colorado, which is part of their aerospace engineering program, uh, and then they they've over their history, you know, done a lot of research, um, through their relationship with the international space station. And, um, so 
they were a, a key part of the partnership. And then also a company, uh, Space Technology Holdings, uh, that's working on, uh, you know, different research applications for space travel and, and zero gravity research. Uh, so, you know, we teamed up with them to, uh, to send some tissue culture samples uh, to, uh, to space. And uh, they sat up at the space station in these special chambers uh, that, that, you know, that they uh, carried along. And then they returned to Earth after 30 days. And uh, then we've been working on analyzing um, the at a genomic level and, you know, trying to understand what, if any changes or mutations happened and, um, you know, trying to better understand the, the biology of, uh, of what happens to this plant and zero gravity. Um, so pretty, pretty exciting stuff. And, uh, you know, it's, it's very early stage kind of research. Um, a little bit of this type of research has been done in plants previously. Uh, you know, they've, they've flown different uh, plants, you know, even live plants and set up little kind of, um, terrariums or, you know, like little growing chambers up in space to see what happens to plants and all kinds of weird things happen. So, um, this was, you know, really just an extension of trying to do that with a, with a new plant like cannabis. <laughs> so what do you hope to find like different like gene expressions where maybe it produces like new cannabinoids or, or kind of, what do you guys look for? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's certainly, uh, you know, the, the needle in the haystack, you know, would be to discover something like that. Um, you know, it's typical with a lot of early stage research and development projects like that, or, or really just research, uh, you know, you, you have to, you know, comb through a lot of different things to, to, you know, find anything, um, you know, that's really that remarkable. Right. So th those are things that, that, you know, are kind of <laughs> once in a lifetime discoveries. <laughs> uh, you know, our, our goal was just to continue to, to lay the foundation of our genomic understanding of this plant, uh, you know, how it performs in, in this zero gravity environment. You know, when you put a, a, a plant in zero gravity, it's no longer fighting gravity. Right. If you think about what a plant does, you know, pretty much every day of its life, it's fighting gravity, right? Um, you know, it's trying to grow up. And so when you remove that environmental condition, then plants, you know, do all kinds of interesting things. They can start to put energy into to other activities and, you know, they're no longer fighting gravity, you know, so there's, again, there's a lot more probably known about what happens, um, or not a lot more, but a little bit more about when you take an actual plant and try to grow it in space, right? Um, you know, that's a, a very challenging prospect, you know, in terms of working with the tissue culture samples or working with the Petri dish and, you know, it's more of, uh, you know, they're, they're basically plant stem cells that we're, we're working with. So it's a little, little bit different, but again, really just trying to understand, you know, are there any interesting underlying genomic changes? Uh, you know, can the plants, you know, can the tissue culture survive? Um, you know, all of those types of, of early questions were really part of this, uh, this first project. And do you feel like that's like very interesting that the government would approve and send hemp up into space? Like for me, that shows, you know, something very positive about, you know, what the government might think about this plan and maybe introducing it back, you know, into the U.S. as well as, you know, maybe potentially into space. So how do you feel about that? Yeah, I, I mean, I think there's a couple layers to that to that question. I, I, I mean, I think for this specific project, you know, this was was privately funded you know, and uh, it went up on a um, on a, a SpaceX uh, oh, nice. shuttle or, you know, a trip basically that was, you know, and they were doing other types of research and, and other things. So, you know, while the government was aware of it, it wasn't like a, a mm -hmm. government, you know, um, 
funded or a pure government sanctioned activity. Now, of course, the you know it has to go through all kinds of approvals. So there's all kinds of things that had to be done with NASA and and with the space station and you know really the you know uh, yeah it was it was obviously a lot of regulatory hurdles to to go through and um, had to make sure it was was hemp right and <laughs> you know and all, and all of that. Um, so, but yeah, I think you know the bigger picture that you you brought up is you know just about the changing sentiment you know from the regulatory bodies in, in the U.S. and our government. I think we still have a long ways to go, um, but I think we're seeing some really positive signs you know with the election cycle that just happened and you know the continued legalization of new states and you know yeah I think the the reality is is that the science is clear right it, and it has been clear for a while that there's a lot of value in this plant, right? And it's not a, you know, it's, it's not a harmful plant. It's, you know, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't cause all the problems that it was, you know, promoted to have caused for such a long time yeah. um, as part of a smear campaign. So I think we're, we're seeing that, you know, the tide shift here and, you know, and I think it's, it's really exciting time and, and yeah, I hope we're going to see, you know, more and more government, you know, sponsored research, um, you know, we're actually working on some grants, uh, you know, we, we think there's you know, new opportunities now. And so, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's an exciting time. And, you know, again, it's never fast enough when it comes to regulatory bodies, but <laughs> they're, uh, I think they're, they're making progress. Yeah. I think it all takes time. I think, um, you know, especially from your background, I'm sure you got into it and, um, I even learned when I was kind of diving through some of the science, there's a lot of science that's out, already out there on cannabis and a lot of, um, precedents that's already been set. Um, but then there's still a lot more that has to be developed. And I think um, the work you guys are doing is ultimately contributing to that normalization and that commercialization that has to happen. I think if you'd have just kind of started the industry and, um, you know, everybody kind of just started growing weed in their backyard or something and, you know, selling it to their neighbor, I, I think, you know, the regulatory agents would probably certainly frown upon that. But I think seeing uh, companies like yourself with, you know, you have a backing of a PhD and a and a whole host of, you know, experience behind you in other industries uh, coming into this and applying science in a, in a dedicated and a passionate uh, manner to actually learn the science and apply it. I think the government has to sit back at some point and, and realize that there are some um, very conscious, cons- you know, uh, operators within this space who are trying to make strides and do this the right way. And um, at some point, it all has to kind of fall back on um, folks like yourself who are industry leaders and uh, should be trusted with you know the science and to move this thing forward in a in a you know a ceremonious way. Yeah, thank you. Well, I I appreciate all of that. We we certainly uh, you know we we definitely we think there's a big opportunity to you know to you know, not only drive the science forward, but you know again hopefully change um, you know change the whole you know the whole trajectory of 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 the industry. And it's not just us. It's a you know it's a community, right? Um, you know, there's a lot of people that are still incarcerated from, you know, uh, from, from this plant and, you know, and I, I think there's still a lot of work to be done and, you know, I, I honestly just feel really fortunate to be able to, uh, you know, to be able to, to work in this space. If somebody would ask me 20 years ago, you know, would, would, would you be, you know, working in <laughs> cannabis or would you be running a company that is growing cannabis? I would have probably, you know, fallen out of my chair and <laughs> laughed. Um, yeah. So it, it, uh, you know, now, now here we are and, and it's, uh, it's, it's really exciting, but there is a lot of work to do. And I think we're, we're certainly trying to, 
uphold the the standards and the the values you know that that we hold dear and that we're passionate about and um, yeah, hopefully move the needle forward on the science, but also, you know, some of the uh, social justice side and the other things that need to be addressed. <laughs> yeah, I think certainly no matter where your position is at, I think normalization helps. And I think that, um, you know, there is still a fight that has to take you know, place across the battle. I mean, for, for God's sake, we still have states like Idaho who are trying to just completely ban marijuana altogether, even, you know, CBD and hemp. And um, I think that's a completely misguided approach. So, I think, you know, things like you're doing and simple things such as sending, you know, uh, tissue cultures of hemp or cannabis up in space. I think those are just like little things that help to change public perception over time that, you know, some of these things should have been changed years ago. And the fact that we're still talking about them, it's like, what more is it going to take? But I think the further that, you know, we all put ourselves out there and just integrate it into our normal life of like, you know, cannabis and coffee or something. Um, I think that's what it's going to take to show, you know, these few remaining, uh, either legislators or regulators, uh, you know, that they're wrong. It takes time. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I couldn't, couldn't, couldn't agree more. <laughs> we need to, we need to keep, keep up the fight until, until it's, until the battle's won. This is, uh, yeah, again, there's, you know, there's a lot of good things happening. You know, I think especially we kicked off the year in a very good way, but you know, there's still, still a lot of work to do, but uh, I feel like we're finally getting somewhere. So um yeah, it's, it's exciting time to be a part of the industry. Well, speaking of progress, I know you guys just announced that you have a new product line of high THCV plant varieties. So first of all, tell us what THCV is and what that means for the industry. Yeah, absolutely. It's a really exciting uh, cannabinoid that's you know been known about for a little while now but uh, it's been somewhat elusive for cannabis breeders and growers uh, to be able to produce effectively and with our genomics program and you know some of the all the breeding work that we've done and of course i have to uh to to give a shout out to to dr reggie godino and and his whole team that uh, that he brought over from from steep hill you know in california you know, they've been researching, you know, cannabis for, you know, some of them, you know, for, for quite a while. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, and, and, and this is one of the, I think, really exciting, you know, types of discoveries and breakthroughs that, that they've been able to make is, you know, we've got the ability now, you know, we've bred a variety that, that's able to produce uh, THCV at a much higher concentration and also a much, much healthier, stronger plant. Uh, and this is this is honestly just you know just the first of many uh, you know we've got multiple other other product launches plans you know in terms of being able to uh, bring out different terpene profiles and make additional improve, improvements. Um, but again, you know, being able to produce this uh, this pretty interesting minor minor cannabinoid, and the reason it's so interesting is because you know when you look at the cannabinoids that we know about right now that are you know that that there's some data or, you know, even anecdotal data or, you know, experience reporting on, you know, really THC is obviously what everybody thinks about and knows about. And that's pretty powerful, right? Most yeah. people that try it are like, oh yeah, well, I just, <laughs> I felt that, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Then you look at, yeah, then you look at CBD, right? And, you know, CBD is, you know, was, was uh, obviously gained a lot of popularity with, you know, some of the potential medical applications and, uh, you know, really exciting. Um, 
then, you know, beyond that, there's compounds like CBG and CBC. And those are, you know, I think it's still, you know, still a lot of research being done about what, you know, what those do or don't do. But then when you look at THCV, it actually has, you know, it has effects that people are reporting, at least, you know, anecdotally, I have to put that out there that, you know, these aren't peer reviewed, you know, uh, double blind clinical trials yet. But generally, people report appetite suppression, they report an energizing, um, you know, like stimulant type of effect, uh, similar to like drinking a cup of coffee, um, you know, feeling clear headed and focused. And, uh, you know, and then when it's consumed, you know, in a, in a, you know, with THC, they report a much clear, more clear headed feeling, um, euphoric, uh, uplifting and less, you know, cloudy, sleepy, you know, bring you down, you know, couch lock type of, of cannabis experience. So when you put that together, you say, wow, we've now got a new cannabinoid that is just really has the potential to change the, the consumer uh, experience and landscape, right? Um, you know, in a very meaningful way, much more than maybe CBD did, right? I mean, most people will take CBD, but, you know, they don't tell you that, oh, I mean, some people report mm-hmm. different feelings, but I think most people generally, you know, especially if you're a cannabis user, you're like, yeah, I've taken some CBD pills. Uh, you know, maybe I'm feel different, but not really. Yeah. Um, whereas when people, when people try THCV, they're like, whoa, that's different. I actually feel that. Um, so we, we think it's really, really exciting. And I think it's just, again, it's one of many, there's probably, I think there's well over 120, uh, maybe even north of 140 unique cannabinoids that we at least know about at this point. And, you know, we're just talking about a handful of them so far. And, and so we're really excited about THCV. That's what I was going to remark on is that there's, you know, there's so many cannabinoids and it's just, it's sad that, you know, we tend to focus so much on THC and then CBD and a lot just gets lost in translation. I remember THCV from what was a couple of years ago on Strain Hunters. And uh, I really, I, I want to say, you know, the gentleman might have passed away shortly after they aired that episode or, or during it or something. But right. that was like a big deal for them to find a strain with THCV because even they knew of a lot of these properties already. And um, they marked on, you know, the the rarity and, and, and the difficulty in growing these plants. So I think anybody who's seen Strain Hunters and kind of understood the the journey that was involved with them finding a variety high in THCV is going to understand uh, the enormity of kind of this discovery that you guys have found of a stable version that can be cultivated. Uh, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, we're we're really excited, and I think it really it represents a huge opportunity for new products uh, in the you know in the cannabis brand space. Uh, you know, I think, you know, it, it really is exciting. I mean, again, you know, consumers are looking for, you know, something next level, you know, they're really looking for new experiences. And I think THCV represents a, a cannabinoid that actually delivers that, right? Like, and I think it'll potentially open the door for, uh, you know, folks that are outside of maybe the traditional cannabis consumer demographic, you know, just given some of the the properties, right? It more or less solves some of the negative effects that you see exactly. you know, that people report with cannabis, right? Like people are like, Oh, I like it, but man, I hate the fact that I, you know, I eat like, you know, five pizzas, <laughs> you know, after, after I smoke, right. Um, you know, or, Oh, I feel, you know, kind of foggy and clear headed, right. Or, or sorry, foggy and, and intoxicated. And, you know, now with THCV, you got people reporting that, you know, no, I'm not, I'm actually not hungry. Like I don't have a desire to eat, but I still feel good. And actually 
only do I feel good, but I feel energized. And so anyways, I, I think those types of, you know, consumer experiences that we're hearing about are, uh, are, are really exciting. And for us, this is just, you know, it's just the beginning, right? We've got, got multiple new product lines that we're trying to work with partners, uh, you know, to get out in, into the market in different places. And uh, we think there's other cannabinoids and, and, you know, and even combination of terpenes that we're working on that uh, represent new experiences as well. Uh, so I think we're, we're just beginning to unlock uh, some of these exciting developments uh, with, with breakthroughs in genetics. This is going to be a wild time for the industry. I mean, we've done well over 100 episodes and been in this industry for a while now. And uh, it's like we're continually blown away every year by a new product or a new, you know, cannabinoid coming out. And um, I think this is going to be the one right here, too, that also kind of shakes up the industry. And um, I think you're totally right in, in the fact that this is probably going to bring a lot more consumers to the market that maybe have been turned away by some of those negative factors with uh, like a high THC experience of maybe some paranoia and not not having like a clear mind and, um, you know, the munchies, the I munchies. guess, the munchies <laughs> associated with it. That's never fun, you know? Um, and I, so, think, yeah, I think if you market it as skinny weed, the people will come. <laughs> <laughs> Diet weed, yeah, we love that. <laughs> I feel like somebody tried that already, but yeah, I don't know. I, it'll, be, it'll be interesting to see. So, I think the reality is, is that, you know, nobody just hasn't been access to it in the supply chain, right? Exactly. Like, again, it yep. was such a... You know, a lot of the growers we work with in California, they're like, yeah, we're trying to grow it, but nah, it doesn't really, you know, it produces like, you know, very low weight and yeah. it's, it's a challenging, challenging product. And I think, uh, yeah, we're, 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 we're excited that, um, that hopefully we've been able to, to help solve that problem. Yeah. We're, I mean, if you grow it and it's like, you know, 1%, I mean, the cost to the consumer at the end of trying to compile an extraction would be like enormous. And, um, you know, I think just making it like a mainstream product that you can mix in would be would be huge, I think. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. We think so too. This is exciting. This was like a pretty cool development. You know, we really enjoyed kind of everything you shared today. And um, how can they find out more about Front Range Biosciences and what all you guys have to offer? Yeah, definitely. So frontrangebiosciences.com is our website. We're on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, We also have, um, you can check out uh, frbgenetics.com. Uh, you know, that's where, uh, you know, we, uh, you know, we work with partners to reveal some of the you know, unique genetics that we have on the, on the cannabis side. Uh, so yeah, those are, those are two great places to start. And uh, we'd love to, to chat with anybody who wants to learn more. Yeah. Planting season is coming up, isn't it? When, when does uh, kind of that all kick off for the hemp side of things? Yeah, well, it's, it's well underway, you know, um, most depending on what, what area of the country, you know, people are in, you know, right now they're, uh, they're getting orders ready and, uh, but most plants start going in the ground uh, either in May or June. And, uh, you know, there are some folks that'll, you know, start a little bit earlier, you know, in the warmer climates, but uh, in general, that's, that's when they start. And same thing in California, actually, we work with, you know, some, some year round uh, cannabis growers. So a lot of times they'll get an early spring crop going, uh, some of them plant auto flower crops, which don't rely on the uh, the daylight cycle to uh, to start their planting. So, yeah, spring is in the air. It's, yes. uh, it's time time for another another season, and hopefully the weather will be will be kinder to us than it was last year. Between the the wildfires and the smoke and the ash and the hurricanes yeah. and the floods, it was a pretty challenging year for farmers. I'd say <laughs> the poor farmers. All right, John. Yeah. Well, we had a great time. Uh, we like to end the show with just a fun little question. We are the Lit and Lucid podcast. So are you lit or are you lucid? 
<laughs> I'm lucid. <laughs> All there right. There we go. <laughs> Perfect. All right, you guys. Well, with that, I'm lit. I'm lucid. And that's it. Laters. Laters.